1: This is the Greg Peterson
2: experience.
1: He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine
0: purr. On v the sports Betting Network.
3: It is hour number three of the Greg Peterson experience on v the Esports Betting Network. We've got a tremendous hour coming up for you. In the front half and the back half of the hour, we're taking a look at some college basketball. Getting you guys set for what we're going to be seeing out there on the hardwood on Tuesday. And... In the middle, we're getting you set for the Super Bowl. As David Baker, the 2020 Westgate Super Contest Champion, he's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at how these two teams got to the Super Bowl, his initial leans on it. If there's anything that he's perhaps placed a bet on with regards to props, what have you, perhaps a little bit of strategy as well, because this is a two-week process. It's not one of those cases where you want to fire in every single bet right now. It's also a case where you don't want to be having to try to Scramble for numbers ten minutes before kickoff as well. So we're going to be talking to David just about all the nuances with taking a look at the Super Bowl, how he's leaning on this game, and just how in the heck we got here. But how we got to this point in college basketball is by well, hundred million billion games. There's been a lot of action that has been going down, but we've got ourselves some quality Big Ten action that is going to be happening on this Tuesday and. On these teams they are going to have to play a little bit shorthanded as we go 647, 648 on the banking board. It is Michigan, they throw their face against Michigan State. Spartans open up as an 11 point favorite, now we're finding them as a 12 point favorite with a total of 145 and a half. This is a Michigan State squad that has been a little bit inconsistent this year. They've been able to find their bearings with regards to shooting the three, but I do think that for Michigan, they are going to be looking to make this a little bit more of an eyesore. I think that they're going to be looking to slow it down. I think that this is a number that has gone a little bit too far. I'm looking at the under. By the way, when I refer to Michigan being a little bit short-handed, Doug McDaniel, their top scorer, he is going to be out of the fold for this one. Doug McDaniel has a really weird suspension where I think he's suspended for five games, might be six, but they're all road games. Like I don't know why he's suspended only for road games. Maybe there's someone in admissions that can let me know what the world looks why but he's suspended for road games and that's all that matters it doesn't matter the why it just matters whether or not he's going to be out there on the court when it comes to handicapping and he is not going to be out there on the court when it comes to this game but for Michigan you have seen two games already without Doug McDaniel out there on the court relative high source with regards to their offense they were unable to get past the 60 point plateau against Maryland and When it comes to their game against Purdue, they got to 67, but they also gave up 99 in that game. And I do think that they're going to be looking to try to put forth a little bit more of a defensive effort. This is a Michigan team that's outside the top 300 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. I don't know how Jawan Howard survives this year, by the way. I mean, it's been really, really bad this season. Meanwhile, got a Michigan State team that... Isn't necessarily the world's greatest on the glass. Michigan actually has a better rebound rate in this game. Even with Doug McDaniel out of the fold, you still have your main men down low. You've got Terrence Williams, who's been able to do a solid job, being able to supply about four and a half boards. Shoots forty-one percent from three-point range. Olivier Kamwa, who comes over from Tennessee, he's got size. He gives you seven boards, eighteen and a half points. Shoots thirty-five percent from three. The biggest issue that you've got with this Michigan team is that now you're going to have Jalen Llewellyn running a lot of the point. We've seen that in their first two games without Doug McDaniel. He just isn't quite the same player. He's certainly not the same scorer that Mr. Doug McDaniel is. Meanwhile, for Michigan State, Manny Sissoko is just someone that down low has not really impressed me. Gives you about five, five and a half rebounds per game. I like A.J. Hogard, and I really do like the way that Michigan State has been able to guard the arc. Top 50 team in all of college basketball The guards' to opponents' 3-point shooting percentage. Michigan, they're not a top 50 team with regards to opponents' 3-point shooting percentage. It's been relatively rough for them, but I do think that with the way that Michigan State plays... It's relatively slow. It's relatively grimy. They're outside the top 200 with regards to total possessions per game. And Michigan, in my opinion, most likely playing much more slowly in this game. Without Doug McDaniel, I do think that you've got a little bit of value here on and under. I set my total 145 and a half. so here at the 145, I'm going to be willing to dive under. This is a very big game within the great state of Michigan. I do think that Michigan, they certainly lose this game. It's been a very bad season for them, to say the least. But I feel like we've won. A little bit too far, and I do put some credence into this rivalry. So I did set my number at a 11. So at the 12th, going to be taking a look at the points with Michigan, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under. This is a number that has went to double figures with the road team, and I don't think that it's gone far enough. 649, 650 on the betting board. A team that is a skid mark on the underpants of college basketball, DePaul is going to be playing us to Seton Hall. Seton Hall is a 10-point favorite. So on this game, is 139 to 139.5. Really sad to see what's happened with this DePaul program. I mean, there was a point where DePaul was one like the blue blood and one the just tentpole teams in all of college basketball. Now they're a complete joke. I mean, it's just so sad what's happened with this team. I made Seton Hall a 13-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it. Kadari Richmond, he has been out the last two games for Seton Hall. And if he does return in this game, you got to figure that he's going to be less than 100%. But even with him out of the fold, this DePaul team doesn't do anything well. They shoot in the 34% range from three-point range. They shoot 71.5% the free throw line. That's average in college basketball. And that's about the best thing that i can say for them they don't have a single guy on the roster it gives you north of 4.2 rebounds per game they turn the ball over north of 13 times for contest they're outside the top 275 in terms of points scored on a per possession basis they're outside the top 275 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis they've already lost at home to the likes of long beach state ipfw aka fort wayne you just go down the list it's just sad and miserable what has happened with this team. Meanwhile, you've got a Seton Hall team that's in the top 25 with regards to rebound rate. Jenny Badiaco, who has come over from Santa Clara, has been able to do a solid job, being able to give you eight rebounds per game. You've got a relatively solid Seton Hall backcourt led by Dre Davis, Elamir Dawes. Both of these guys shoot between about 35 to 36% from three-point range. They've been able to supply some good offense. And now this is a Seton all team that's clocking in while well outside the top two 75. With regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, this has been a team that has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to travel with regards to their offense, going up against a DePaul team that they've been rough at home. They've been rough on the road. It's just been all sorts of sad for them. Seton Hall is a team that they are going to turn the ball over a little bit as well. North of 12 turnovers per contest. But now you've got Elijah hutchins Everett, who's been able to give you some size. He's able to shoot it relatively well from three-par range. This is a... DePaul team that to their credit, they've covered each other last two games, but they have still scored fewer than 70 points in far of their last five games, and they've gotten absolutely barbecued for north of 80 points in pretty much five out of their last six as well. I do think that C N all Going to Be able to lay the lumber here. I set Seton Hall as a 13 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number, and it's up at, all at 141. The opener was 149. Now that we're coming down to 139 to 139 and a half, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I just don't think that DePaul is able to do enough defensively to be able to keep this total under. So, going to be taking a look at the over. And with Seton Hall, I'm going to be willing to lay it against the DePaul team. That man, hopefully, they hire on someone that's a little bit better because this is a DePaul program that. Deserves a little bit better, and it's really sad to see where they've gone. So we're going to be willing to lay the number and take a look at this total over as we are looking at the college basketball board for this Tuesday right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And this is a game that also stands out to me as well as we've seen this number really skyrocket up, and I think we've gotten to a point of no return here. 651, 652 on the card. It is Kansas. They play us at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was a 14.5-point underdog. Now they're between a 16 to a 17 point underdog. Total on this game is 145 and a half. This Oklahoma state team by no means is a tremendous punch or anything like that. This just feels a little bit disrespectful. Needed at least 16 to be able to take the points. So I'm going to be taking a look at it here, especially seeing multiple 17s coming onto the board right now. This is a number that has moved quite a bit over the last two, two and a half hours or so. I'm going to be willing to take the points. Oklahoma state by no means is a terrible team. Now, are they tremendous? So heck no, you're relying upon Javon Spall to come up big. He's been able to do a good job with about 15 points, five boards, five assists, just gives the team what he needs, what they need in general. And it's an Oklahoma State team that they've gotten better with regards to their three-point shooting. It's not like they're amazing from three-point range, but they're shooting in that neighborhood about 35, 35.5% from three-point range. Now, the last time these two teams played, and I think that this is a part of the reason for the line movement, Kansas got to 90 points, and they just absolutely put hammer to nail to Oklahoma State, and yes, Oklahoma State was the nail. It was not good, to say the least. And for this Kansas team, what i really like to see, Johnny Furphy is starting to come to the forefront, because with Kansas, they've really had a big three thus far this season. Dewan Harris, he's able to give you about 6.9 assists per contest, one of the best point guards in all of college basketball. Kevin McCullough is just a playmaker. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. He's giving you nearly 20 points, seven boards, three plus assists, shoots it well from three par range, and then Hunter Dickinson is that seven foot one big man that's able to go out there, pop some threes, average a double-double. Now you've got Furphy, who's been able to give you double figures at each of the team's last four games, seven plus rebounds at darn near all of these. At six foot nine, he's able to shoot threes at a relatively solid clip. He is the cheat code for this Kansas team, and if Kansas is going to be able to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, it's because they have found a number four scorer in Furphy, and you do want to be mindful that Oklahoma State has not been quite the same team on the road as they have been at home. This is an Oklahoma State team that at home, they shoot north of 37% per three, right around about 31% in a roadside shoot court environment, but it does feel like Kansas is still trying to reinvent themselves a little bit. It's been a Kansas team that has actually been having their forte be their defense. They're a top 35 team in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis and for Kansas. They no doubt get a nice boost with being at home. They're averaging half points more per one-hour possessions with their offense at home rather than in a road-slash-trick corner environment. But I do think that we've gone a little bit too far here despite the fact that Oklahoma State doesn't have a single guy that gives you north of six rebounds per game. They do a relatively solid job by of being a top one our team. With regards to rebound rate, they're going to lose that battle to Kansas, but it is a Kansas team that it's not like they're a team that just absolutely rips the ball away, which has been a little bit of bugaboo for Oklahoma State. It's an Oklahoma State team that is Turn the ball over north of 12 times for contest, but I do feel like things are starting to get out of whack. I actually very much did think that the opener that we saw in this game was relatively correct. I set Kansas as a 15-half point favorite. This was an opener that was more around 14 and a half, 15 or so points. So now that we're getting getting up to a 16, I'm gonna be taking a look at the points in this spot. Oklahoma safe had a tough time scoring, 70 points or fewer three of the last four games. And I like this Kansas defense. So did set my total 141 half as well. So looking at the under to go along the points with Oklahoma. State. And coming up next to get you set for the Super Bowl and to get you set for the big game with David Baker, the twenty twenty Westgate Super Contest champion right here on the Great Theatre City Experience of the eSports Sports Fighting Network.
0: It's Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: If you have yet to check out the all new and improved VSIN.com, it's got a fresh new look. It's much more friendly with your mobile device as well, and it's got our betting tools in a little bit more prominent spots as well. You're able to take a look at my handicap daily college basketball lines. We've got a bunch of great stories on the website getting you set for the Super Bowl. We've got expanded educational content and so much more over at the brand new and improved Visa.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Banking Network. Always great to be joined by this man. He won the Westgate Super Contest in 2020. He's one of the best poker players out there on the face of planet Earth as well. It is David Baker joining me and David, always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, football's almost over, so uh, let's dive in and talk about what we saw
3: absolutely we've got one game left it is the biggest game of the year and let's take a look at how we got there first and the result that really stood out to me the most was just the way the second half went in terms of 49ers versus lions lions go up three scores then you got whether or not to kick the field goal really kicking the lions rear end in this one they fall in this one if you took the seven and a half points you were able to get the cover but for lions fans can't help but feel bad for them and for the 49ers. Really liked what I saw from Brock Purdy late in this game with him. Having to go a little bit more off script and doing a nice job of being able to rally the troops.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to break this one down. First, I mean, I guess we could talk about it from the Detroit side. And um, great season. I mean, uh I like this team a lot. I went actually went to that first game of the year with the Lions and the Chiefs, and saw something there that I just I think I had been missing in the preseason, and I got on them pretty quick, and I was pretty happy to do so. They were um, they were very good. I mean they 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 had control of this game for a long time. Um, I didn't always love all of Dan Campbell's decisions that he made throughout the year. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't, but I was kind of pretty consistent in, um, you know, critiquing some of those. Obviously, we we all love the aggressive coaching and um, some of the analytics that, that say to go for it more often. I'm a little bit traditionalist in the fact that I think that there are a lot of times that you can go for it, but I, I just don't fully believe some of the spots that the computers come up with. And I know that makes me sound old and dated. And, um, you know, basically a lot of people think, well, you're just, you know, disputing fact. But, you know, I've seen a lot of these bots and these um, simulators, and sometimes they come out with completely different answers. So I don't know which one you necessarily always are going to look at I thought Dan Campbell and, and Ben Johnson did a really good job of calling the game. I thought they did a really good job of having their players prepared. Um, unlike what we saw in the earlier game, they didn't come out too amped up and and you know make stupid penalties and and make bonehead plays. I thought they really played a really good game. Um, I do disagree with them not kicking the field goals. Um, the first one. You know, I just felt like everything was kind of going your way. You had just given up a field goal to cut the lead to 14. You had just taken a field goal at the end of the half to go to 17. They cut it back to 14. I think you just try to make the field goal. You're going to make it most of the time. And you make that field goal. You go up 17. The Niners get the ball to 20. It's a whole different ball game. Um, but, I mean, Josh Reynolds had the ball in his hands and he dropped it. So, I mean, the, the players have to have some responsibility here too. But I think you just kind of shorten the game. I mean, some of the things that the, these, the, the models don't really, you know, tell is, you know, this is, this is a pressure situation and you up 17 and, and you have the young quarterback and is he more prone to make a mistake? Is he more prone to press? Are they more prone to do some things that they might not have done if they're, you know, down 14? So, um, I don't know. And then I really thought you just, you just tie the football game up right there with, uh, like seven, eight minutes left. It was, you were each going to, you'll each get another possession and you, we just kind of play the game from there. Um, I'm kind of opposed to going for it that far back, like from the 30, there's just no guarantee. There's, there's not even a high probability you score a touchdown. Anyway, you're probably going to end up settling for a field goal attempt later on in the series anyway. So I'm much more likely to go for it. Like when I'm going to be at like the 12 or the 15 or something, because a, if you make it, you're more likely to score a touchdown and B, if you miss it, you know, you pin them deep.
3: Yeah. I'm right there with you. The, Whether or not to kick the field goal scenarios, I did not agree with those. I did not agree with that fourth down call that you were just alluding to as well. And I do feel like that's ultimately what doomed the Lions in this game. Because if you go up three scores, that puts a young quarterback in a rough situation and what the, simula- what the simulators cannot simulate is human emotion and just how humans respond in those sorts of ordeals as well. As joining me on the show, we do have David Baker, the 2020 Westgate Super Contest Champion. Joining me right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And something I was alluding to this show on this show all last week was that I just could not deny getting north of a field goal with Patrick Mahomes. Turned out it was the case. I felt like the Chiefs were outgunned in this game. They probably were outgunned in this game, but they come up with that big fumble late. They get the job done 17 to 10. How do you take a look at what we saw in the AFC championship game? Because a lot of people are going to knock Lamar Jackson, and he did not have the world's greatest game. Let's call it what it is. But that fumble that caused the touchback, I felt like was just the ultimate backbreaker.
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> the Ravens, I think this this really kind of plays back to what we were just talking about with the simulator and these things. It's it doesn't really simulate, you know, that these are all these regular season models and all these things and, and things just play different in the playoffs. And I think if this Baltimore Cincinnati, this Baltimore Kansas city game happens in the regular season, it's just a different game. Uh, Baltimore clearly came out tight. Um, They got down seven and They just kind of abandoned the run. And really, you know, I think there's a lot. I don't think there's that much blame for the Lions. They played a great game. It could have gone either way. But I think there is a lot of blame to pass around for this Ravens team. And I don't even know where to start. I mean, to me, the biggest factor and the biggest blame um, has to start with the leadership in the Ravens locker room, whether it was players or the coaches. But they came out completely undisciplined multiple, multiple late hits, taunting, personal fouls. Um, even Tony Romo uh, alluded to it early in the broadcast that they were going to make a statement. They were not going to let Patrick Mahomes you know, um, not feel it when he scrambled. And all these things, they, they tried to come in and just be this tough guy and they, they were going to intimidate the Chiefs. This is the Chiefs. This is a team that's been to the Super Bowl multiple times. This is this is not the Houston Texans. Um, and I thought that they really just dropped the ball there. They let their emotions take the best of them, and I think, quite frankly, the Chiefs goaded them. They goaded them into some of these penalties, and they allowed it to happen. It started pregame with Travis Kelce, you know, moving Justin Tucker's kicking tee and the balls and things like that, and just went straight onto the game. Um, I think you can also, I, like, I really want to blame the coach and, the, and the, the play calling. At the end of the first half was the key sequence to me. It was second and four with two minutes left. And it was really two two minutes, 30 seconds. And the Ravens let the ball, let the clock go all the way down to the two-minute warning. And I was like, finally, a coach gets it. They're going to run here. They're going to pick up the first down. They're going to take another 30, 40 seconds off. And they're going to guarantee that they either end this half with a Justin Tucker field goal, a touchdown, or... or the Chiefs get the ball back with like 20, 30 seconds. And instead, they came out of the two-minute warning and they threw a long bomb to to Nelson Aguilar out of bounds, and then they threw another pass. Instead, it's second and four, you've got to run the mar, you've got to get that first down, and you got to take the clock down. You cannot allow the Chiefs to get the ball back. Sure enough, they punted him. The Chiefs were just kind of trying to get that first down to decide whether they were going to go for it or not, and Van Noy got goaded into a, a, a penalty. I just think this team was extremely undisciplined and it starts up top. And I think ultimately that was the difference for the Ravens. Not take anything away from the Chiefs. They played a good football game. But um, from the Ravens standpoint, I think that was the ultimate downfall.
3: Yeah, that really was. And we've got about 45 seconds left and we'll preview the Super Bowl on the flip side. But which result to you was more surprising, the 49ers comeback or the Chiefs getting the job done?
2: I think the Chiefs getting the job done. I mean, I really did think that the Ravens had enough veterans and veteran leadership to to kind of get over that hump. Um, the Lions played a great game. The Niners were the best team all season long. So I really expected a good game there. And it doesn't really surprise me that the Niners kind of came back. I mean, they're a great football team. They got great football players. They kept their cool. They got a great coach. And they went out and they got the job done. I just really was surprised that um, – lamar and the ravens and the defense kind of just kind of cratered and uh and let their emotions get the best of them key turnovers key penalties that was the game
3: yeah it was a little bit of a strange game plan there but the game plan for the super bowl it is going to be one that is going to be very complex from a betting perspective and david baker is going to help us out with that next on the great Pierce and experience on visa these sports betting network.
0: Hoops Peterson himself on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: For those that are looking to get in on our on one of our annual subscriptions, well, because you are a listener to the Greg Peterson experience, you're able to do so at a discounted rate. You're able to do so for just one hundred ninety nine dollars with the promo code for this show of Greg G R E G. Put the VSEN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with that VSEN Pro subscription. As You get access to our daily best bets with the leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has a hot end betting splits to see where the money and the bets are moving on every single game, 24-7 video access, betting systems, premium analysis, plus our Super Bowl betting guide with the best bets and favorite player props. Remember, utilize that promo code for the show of Greg, G-R-E-G, to get a nice discount on that annual subscription over at vsin.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg at Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Always great to be joined by David Baker, the 2020 Westgate Super Contest Champion and a tremendous poker player in his own right. And let's take a look at the Super Bowl now as we've got pretty much across the board a total of 47.5. Most places have the 49ers as a, a 1.5 point favorite. This was one a little bit earlier. We're seeing DraftKings go to 2, go to two with that juice at a minus 102 there. Where are you right now landing on this game, knowing full well that you're probably waiting a little bit on this one?
2: Yeah, so if you just time more me from Saturday to today and told me that the Chiefs were playing the Niners, I would tell you that I'm all in on the Niners. Um, as anybody who's watched this show before knows, I'm not the biggest believer in the Chiefs. But, man, they just keep making... They just keep doing it. And I I mean, I, I it goes back, you know, we really need to look at it from both sides of this thing. On one side, the Kansas City Chiefs, they find a way to get it done. Um, and they've looked decent doing it, but at the end of the day, I just can't help but just think that these teams just shoot themselves in the foot when it comes down to playing them. But, you know. We do have basically, you know, uh, you know, the last pick in the draft, um, second year in the league, quarterback. Um, so you know, do, does Mahomes and Reed just throw that, that spell on him like they've like he's done versus Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and you know, all these other guys that just can't beat him in the big game but this Niners team is just so freaking talented um if you told me that we were going to get the Niners that we saw in the second halves against Green Bay and Detroit if you were going to tell me we get the Niners that we saw um you know the middle portion of the year when they were just absolutely dominant and obviously I would take the Niners um Man, I'm just having a a tough time right now deciding which way I want to go. I really just, I think I just, I just want to let it all settle in. I mean, I was really quick to jump on Buffalo and Baltimore and just kind of dismiss this Kansas City team because they haven't looked that great all year, but that's not the team that's playing right now. This team's playing, I mean, Travis Kelsey was having balls bounce off his hands for the for three months. And now all of a sudden he's eleven for eleven or whatever he ended up, you know, he's making diving catches on fourth down, and Mahomes is taking eleven seconds to scramble around and find an open guy. I mean, this playoff and Super Bowl Mahomes Reed, it's it's just like Brady and, and Belichick. I mean I know that everybody's saying that, but it's just kind of real. And I was a big Brady fan and I was a big Belichick fan and big Patriot fan. So I every time everybody was like, I'm so tired of this team, I'd be like, ah no, it's great. I love it. But man, I'm just tired of this Chiefs team. I I have Chiefs fatigue. Um also my wallet has Chiefs fatigue. I mean, I've lost a lot of money betting against them the last few weeks and Really, the last few seasons, um, but this is it. I'm not sure who I'm going to take in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure at the end of the day it'll be the Niners because I always end up anti-Chiefs. But that's it. Next year, I'm 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 not anti-Chiefs. I can't I can't do this to myself again. Just can't do it.
3: It's just absolutely amazing what we've been seeing from Patrick Mahomes because I was like you, thinking that the Ravens they had by far the better players going into that game against the Chiefs, but. Just something in me said, you know what, Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to be able to pull out this game and Somehow, way, he was able to do so. This team has been able to rise up, and it has been incredible to see. us. David Baker, the 2020 Westgate Super Contest Champion. is joining me right here on the Greg Peterson Experience at Visa, the Esports Betting Network. And with regards to taking a look at the Super Bowl as well, how do you sort of plan out your betting? Because I was talking about this a little bit earlier. With regards to the side and the total, we're going to see some movement with it. We're going to see this number we saw it on Monday. A lot of places were hanging a one up there. Now we're seeing a one and a half in a lot of spots, but you're not going to get like quantum movement on the spread. You're not going to get quantum movement on the money line. Do you take a look a little bit more at the player props first, or do you want to settle on your side first before you try to take a look at more of those player props? And the reason why I ask is that we're going to see a lot more movement on player props rather than the line in terms of the side and total itself.
2: Yeah, well, I kind of want to have an idea of what I think is going to happen. I mean, I try to build a, a script for the game and then kind of orchestrate my my props with that script. So it's kind of really tough if you don't really have a side in the game. Um, you can just kind of play it as I think both teams is, are going to be decent and you, you, know, you decide if it's going to be a high scoring, low scoring game or whatever and kind of base your props off of that. But if you think one team's going to dominate one aspect of the game then you know you kind of go there um i don't know this to be fact um but my thought would be that if you're gonna play over on some props that you might play them early and if you're gonna play some unders you kind of highlight those and wait till later my my gut reaction is that the public and these props people like to play the overs so um I think the book sets them at a line that they think is probably right. And I would guess that more action comes in on the overs. So uh, that would kind of be my thought process on that. Uh, One thing I am going to look to do is I'm probably going to look to, to get heavy on Christian McCaffrey stuff. He's really the engine that makes this, this team go and I think after watching this Baltimore team try to throw the ball against this chiefs team, we know the chiefs can be got by the run. uh, And we know that they're really stout against the pass. You've got the best running back in the league. You've got a great offensive line. Um, I really think they're going to, they're going to use McCaffrey. Um, If you're looking for, I know a lot of people like to play the MVP. If you think the Niners are going to win, I think McCaffrey at, I saw him listed at like 475, I think, on DraftKings. Um, But that might be somewhere where I might look to go. I I know it's usually a quarterback, and it definitely could be Purdy, but I think we could be seeing a Christian McCaffrey game. It wouldn't surprise me if he got three touchdowns and 160 total yards or something like that, and they're not going to keep it from from him if he does something like that. So those are my kind of early thoughts. Um, I don't really think there's a whole lot of value on the Chiefs side as far as MVP goes because Mahomes is getting – you know, his odds are not that much more than just picking the Chiefs to win. So there are those random things that happen where, you know, defense gets a couple of touchdowns, one guy does, or gets three sacks and a strip sack and a fumble return, or, you know, one receiver does does a lot. I don't, I'd just rather, if you're going to play the, the Chiefs, I mean, you can get them at like plus, uh, even money or plus 110 or something. So why play Mahomes at plus 120? Just take the Chiefs if you like them. But I do think McCaffrey at 475 is kind of a a fun little taste because I really think that for the Niners to win, they really have to utilize him.
3: And plus Travis Kelsey at 12 to one, I don't think will be the world's worst look either because if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you got to think that it's probably going to be Kelsey or Mahomes if you have it maybe like a historic day from Pacheco. Maybe he's able to get in there, but I just find it hard for it to go to any of those two other guys. And with regards to just the way that you're seeing this game go with regards to the total any lean here, just because I do look at this 49ers defense, it's been a little bit wobbly and I do like what I've seen out of this Chiefs defense coming into the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I don't really want to commit for sure, but I'm leaning under just because I think that the Niners are going to run the ball. And I think the Chiefs kind of are going to throw it. But when if you look at the Chiefs, they're not one of those teams that throws the ball downfield a lot. I mean, their throws are kind of in the center of the field. They're short. They're to Kelsey. They're dump-offs to Pacheco. They're Rice on screens. So when you're completing the pass and uh, the clock is going to be moving, and when you're running the ball, like I think the Niners will, the clock's going to be moving. So I think there'll be some long sustained drives. So I I do think there'll be some offense, but I do think that it might still go under the total.
3: Yep. I've been leaning a little bit more towards the under myself, but we always lean on you for some great insights. David always appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
3: Always great to have David Baker, the 2020 Westgate Super Contest Champion aboard. And coming up next, i get you guys my DK Network ride a pick and a beer review right here on the Great Beers and Experience on Visa, the Esports Banking Network.
0: St. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: Are you looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Utilize the promo code VSIN when you do, because new customers can place bet of $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with that promo code of VSIN. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Banking Network. Always great to be joined by David Baker to be able to take a look at the Super Bowl, how he's betting it, what he's taking a look at, and just how to, in general, try to time up how to be able to get the best of the number as well. So, always appreciate David and... It's a friendly little reminder. If you're listening live to the Greg Peterson experience coming up next, you get a replay of this fine program. Meanwhile, at 4 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern, it is follow the money with Mitch Moss, Paul Howard. They're going to continue to get you set for everything that we're going to be getting on Super Sunday in a week and a half. But on top of that, I know that they've got you guys covered with regards to all the action on Tuesday. They're two of the best in the business. So, and are going to do a tremendous job on this Tuesday, and my job now is to get you to follow the money safely, and hopefully with a little bit more money in pocket, as we are going to get you guys my DK network right up in a minute. But first things first, you've got to get you guys a beer review and a little bit of a pro tip. If you're one that likes to try different beers, I've got something that is going to intrigue you here on Hoops on Hops. And the tip is, because my review today is on one of Trader Joe's beers. This is Trader Jose Light, which it gets a good score, by the way. I'll get you that in a second. But if you ever go to Trader Joe's, you know how they sell a six-pack in a store. We're going to spitball a number here say that your six-pack costs $9. You're actually able to buy them all individually. You're able to rip open the case, decide, you know what? I want to buy one beer. You get it for the price of like $1.50. So if it's a six-pack, you just divide that price by 6 A lot of places, they upcharge if you want to buy individuals. Very, very good price. And this was a really good beer, actually. This was obviously a little bit of a lighter Mexican beer. This was one that I it honestly tasted like it had a little bit of lime in there without needing to utilize the lime. Like a lot of these beers, like Corona, I think that that's the one that I should specify the most. Because I am a fan of Dos Equis. I think that that's pretty... Solid and Estrella Jalisco is one of my favorites as well. So, I mean, for me, Mexican beers could be a little bit hit or miss. Some of these require the line. This one, it tasted like it was right in there. This was a very, very solid beer. This was actually one of the best Mexican beers I had. I put this over Corona, I put this over Dos Equis. I put this over a lot of your mainstream Mexican beers. It was very easy going down. I mean, and for 11.2 ounces, this was 108 calories as we are finishing up our lighter beer reviews we're going to have one more for you tomorrow before by the way with regards to Hoops on Hops we're going to be going a little bit of a different direction towards the end of the week we're going to be doing the Hoops on Hops beer review bracket which we're going to pair up 38 different breweries we're going to be going just to each brewery it's going to be top score it advances to the next round so we're going to get a lot of beer reviews and we're going to see which brewery comes out on top so we're going to be giving some honorable mentions the next few days as Trader Joe's, they might be making it next year because this one very much did stand out to me. I gave this an 8.75. This was a rock solid light Mexican lager and it's one that I'll probably be buying once again. It was a pretty fair price. I'm able to buy it as an individual for a pretty good price as well. So hopefully that enlightened you. I do encourage you guys to take advantage of that. If you much like myself, like trying different beers and if you like my like myself, Love being able to just play a bunch of college basketball games. Well, you're in paradise because we've got a lot of college basketball that's coming up the next month plus. And we were able to hit on and under that was happening involving a team from the city of Boston on Monday. So how about if we go back to Boston and we take a look at my DK network writer pick. This is 627, 628 on the betting board. Boston College, not to be confused with Boston. you going to be playing us to Syracuse. Syracuse has find themselves as a underdog of between four and a half and five points. Total on this game is one forty nine, and my write up is going to be on Boston College. Now, Truth be told, I wrote this up when the opener was three at DraftKings, so this has moved a little bit, but I did make Boston College a six-point favorite, so I do still see a little bit of an edge here. My write-up is going to be on the Eagles laying the number, as I do think that this is a nice little revenge spot for them, as we are looking at my write-up pick right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, and when it comes to Boston College, this team in their last go-around against Syracuse, by the way, that happened on January 10th, so we aren't far removed from when these two teams play The first time around, they lost that game by a count of 69-59. to In that game, it was just not characteristic of this Boston College team. Boston College is one of the best teams in all of college basketball at taking care of the ball. 19th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis and at home, it gets even better. 11.4% of their possessions end in a turnover. That is the 7th best home turnover percentage in all of college basketball. And when they played against Syracuse the first time around, they committed 22 turnovers in that game. That is double what they average on the season. They average 10 turnovers per game, so more than double what they average. So, I do think that that's going to be going downward a little bit now. It is a Syracuse defense that, to their credit, they are the better defense in this one. They rank in the top 90 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. In terms of turnovers for on a per possession basis, this team is a top 45 team in all of college basketball. Boston College, more in the neighborhood, about 170th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. With them, Really giving it up from three-point range. Boston College outside the top 250 with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. With opponents shooting about 35% from distance at home against them. But this is not a very strong Boston or a very strong Syracuse team with regards to being able to launch from three-point range. They rank 277th in all of college basketball with regards to road slash neutral court three-point shooting percentage at 30.2%. You do have a pair of guys in. Judah Mintz, along with J.J. Sarland, that do a good job of being able to run the backcourt. These two guys have be able to give you double figures, and Mintz is really your top scorer. He shoots 34% from three, but he's one of the better spot-up shooters you are going to find in all of college basketball. Meanwhile, for Syracuse, where they really get bludgeoned, is on the glass. With the Syracuse bunch, they are away from home, a team that cannot hold opponents to one-and-done possessions. They enter Tuesday 290th in the country with regards to defensive rebound rate, but... In a road slash shoot court environment, 34% of opponents' missed shots are corralled as an offensive rebound. That is 335th in all of college basketball. While they've got some pretty demonstrative home-and-road splits, the Boston College defense, they themselves are a little bit better when they're at home as well, giving up 9.9 points fewer per 100 possessions at home rather than in a road-slash-shooter court environment. And they should be able to own the paint in this one. As a matter of fact, they should own the post because they've already got a post on their team. Quentin Post, he's been able to give the team 17 points, seven boards, he's a true seven-footer that shoots north of 40%. From three-point Devin McLaughlin, he's been able to step up. He's been able to give the team five-plus rebounds, a double-figure amount of points, and then Jaden Zachary is really the mastermind of why this team is so efficient with regards to the ball. He, two seasons ago, was very, very good from three-point shooting north of 48% per three. That has tumbled down to the high 20s, early 30s with regards to three-point shooting percentage, but his assist to turnover ratio is right around three, and with the Syracuse team being one that they'll turn the ball over a little bit themselves. It's not like it's terrible or anything like that, that but they are a team that's going to turn it over a little bit plus with the free throw shooting disparity being much more likely to be even in this game I was alluding to the fact that these two teams hooked up on January 10th before in that game Boston College who keep in mind they lost that game 69 to 59 they couldn't take care of the ball to save their lives they went just three of four at the free throw line in that game, Syracuse was 17 of 23. And Boston College, they're making five and a half more free throws per one arm possessions at home rather than on the road. Syracuse, four and a half free throws fewer on the road slash in a neutral court environment rather than at home. I think that that irons out here. My write-up, that is laying the number with Boston College, willing to go up to six on this one. And with regards to total, I did set it at a 148. Boston College, so a relatively mid-tempo team. It's a Syracuse team that has been having ups and downs, to say the least, with regards to their offense, but the defense has been pretty sturdy, so I do think that you get a little bit of a lower-scoring game. Looking at the under and then my write-up, we are going to be laying the number with Boston College, and how about if we wrap up shop with a game that I think is going to be very much of intrigue out there in the Mountain West. This is going to be the late game of 659-660 on the betting board. UNLV, they play us to Fresno State. Fresno State finds themselves as an underdog of eight points, and your total on this game between 141 and 142 For UNLV, last we saw them at home, they got blasted by 32 points against Air Force at home. Then on the weekend, they go on the road and they knock off San Jose State. This is one of the most confusing teams in all of college basketball to take a look at in terms of UNLV. For Fresno State, it's pretty straightforward. This team has turned the ball over North at 13 times per contest. They do a relatively solid job. I'll be able to hit some threes he Says you've been able to get some good production out of Xavier DeSalle. The Wyoming transfer has been able to give you 10 points per contest. Isaiah Hill he's able to give out north of six assists per contest, but it is a Fresno State team that they get very careless with the ball. It is a UNLV team that they've now got both the Boone brothers in the fold that should be able to give them a little bit more down low as this has been a team that's been outside the top 250 with regards to the rebound rate, but you've got a Fresno State team that certainly giving it up from three par range outside the top 340 with regards to opponents three-point shooting percentage. Both teams are outside the uh, top 200, though, with regards to total possessions per game. So I do think that things get a little bit slowed down. I'm going to be looking at the under in the spot. my total more around a 139 and a half in. Going to be willing to lay up to nine with UNLVN. What we're looking at at 4 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern, is follow the late with Mitch Foss and Paul Howard. You're on Visa, the Esports Bank Network.